Welcome to the Leaders in Food podcast. My name is Tom Appley. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Melissa Clotty, who is the head of food technology for Selfridges. Melissa has been with Selfridges for 10 and a half years. Um, Her background spans both supplier base with the likes of General Mills and Heinz, and also uh, the world of QSR with Pizza Hut. Uh, in 2020, uh, Melissa took her uh, took the opportunity to become the founding chair of the diversity board for Selfridges, leading the business in the creation of a diverse, inclusive, and equitable workplace. Um, as well as this, Melissa is also a STEM ambassador and also a Centerpoint ambassador. Uh, Melissa, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, I know we've been trying to get in the, in the diary for a little while, um, and I'm really, really happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. Did I cover Did I cover most things there in the in the <laughs> intro there? Yes, yeah, quite a rich um, background, but yeah, you got you got it all. <laughs> um, I mean, my, I suppose my first question I was going to ask you about the you know your your career and the moves you've made, and I'll come on to that. But how do you manage? You know, obviously you're in a big role now and then all of those other things that you're doing as well, they're going to take a lot of your time. How do you how do you juggle that? There's a big piece about prioritisation. Um, mm. For me, I've always said that it's really important to work in a field that I enjoy. And when you enjoy something, when you've got that passion and that love and that drive, mm. it enables you to prioritise properly and make space for the things that are important. So, you know, working in the field of food science, food technology, food safety, quality assurance is really, really important, but also ensuring that you are able to tell others about this, you know, to tell young students who are in the early stages of their career about opportunities that they may not know about, that's equally important. So it's really about prioritising to make the space. And like you say, if you're passionate, you know, about about those other, um, you know, areas that you want to get involved in, you'll make you'll make the time for, it, I suppose. Absolutely. Someone once said to me quite recently, actually, um, you know, Melissa, is passion really enough? Passion is that driver, but it's turning that passion into action that's mm. really, really important. So take me back, take me back to the start of your career. Um, with was general mills your your first role uh, after university is that right yeah general mills was my first role but actually i'm going to take you back to my beginning all right uh, so <laughs> my mum's a caterer she's in her 80s now but she ran her mm. own catering business and my grandmother also ran her own um, bakery in ghana wow um, and she worked for a food distributor as well in Ghana. So we're talking kind of early 1950s. But I recently found out that my great grandmother was a wine distributor in the early 1900s in Ghana. So imagine a female wine distributor in, you know, the early 1900s. Back That's, then. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I think I've always had food running through my veins yeah it's definitely in my dna absolutely uh, and of all of all the functions um 
why why kind of quality and 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 technical because that's run through your you know your career hasn't it throughout the last sort of 20 ish years yeah i am i think there's a couple of things actually with the quality assurance piece there's this piece about standards Mm. and i would say you know naturally you know, I could be described as being quite fastidious, quite having that attention to detail. That also is genetics. So my father is someone who has a lot of attention to detail. So, you know, when we were young growing up, dad used to, you know, make us put books on our heads and walk so we could stand up straight, you know, wow. shoes polished. We had really high standards within in the household. And I think, again, that piece that comes out of that passion and that, I guess, innate way of being that innate way of working I think that's how I've always asked myself was I meant to be in quality assurance or was I drawn to it because (laughs) actually it was part of again my own DNA Um, I've been quite fortunate when I look at my entire career yes General Mills was about um, quality assurance but I also worked very, very closely with the NPD team, so the new product Mm. development team. And again, that that links to that creativity with my, you know, my mum, my grandmother, my great-grandmother working in an environment where they're creating products. That Mm. was, I was fortunate to to be able to do that. So when I think about, you know, my earliest um, work that I did, um, if you think about um, Bonoffi, Hagendar's Bonoffi ice cream for the UK market. Mm. That was my very first claim to fame. Was it really? Wow. <laughs> and what, so when was that? When did when did that hit the shelves in the UK? Oh my gosh! So that would be around two thousand, two thousand and one. That was that when Har, was that when Hagendar's came out, or was that that particular product? So that about? particular product. So. Um, Haagen-Dazs was one of the well-known brands at General Mills. So I worked on Haagen-Dazs. I worked on Just Roll, which is a ready-made pastry product. Mm. Um, the Pillsbury, people will know the Pillsbury Doughboy. Um, again, that was kind of ready-to-bake um, products. I also worked on um, Green Giant. Um, so one of my, again, claim to fame is going to the Green Giant University, um, you know, going into the fields at three o'clock in the morning, you know, watching the tractors pick these rows and rows and rows of sweet corn and seeing it in a can, you know, less than four hours later. Um, So, yeah, Green Giant and then Old El Paso, which is the Mexican style food. So Mm. different, very, very different brands. But again, looking at the quality assurance and the product development across those. So, so actually, R R and D and product development, it's it's with it's there as well. And and then you did you did a pure R and D role, didn't you? In um, for for Heinz, that was much more much more about innovation, perhaps, than the the previous roles. Yes. Yeah. So when I was at Heinz, I started off. Um, working for Heinz baby food actually and I <laughs> I had no idea that there was this ready-made stuff in jars for babies mm. I had um, just had my first child and um, so this was um 
yeah, probably around 16 years ago. And, you know, I made everything. I put it in ice in the ice cube trays and, you know, you know, that piece around um, making sure that I was doing the best for my my children. But then I went to Heinz and then I learned actually there was this category which was absolutely incredible. You think about food safety standards and quality standards. The legislation around baby food is so tight. There's so many things you cannot put into um, baby food because of the nature of the the, the babies that are consuming it. So it's really it was re- it was a real eye opener around legislation for me and um, just around the care that you take when you're making foods, particularly for that category. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And and then from from there, so you, you were with you were sort of three and a half years for, for Heinz, weren't you? Yeah. What what um what kind of prompted the the move away from that? Because that that sort of role with a, a really diverse sort of portfolio and lots of, you know, working on tons of different uh products and you know, that that type of business, you probably could have stayed there for ten, twenty <laughs> years, maybe longer, couldn't you? You see people do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I had, so it wasn't just baby food that I worked on. I was also fortunate to be in the role of the innovation lead across all of the categories. So it was working with global teams, um, looking at soups and sauces, looking at some of their other brands, which some people might not know are Heinz owned. So Amoy, Weight Watchers, Frozen Ready Mills. So there were, there were no Aunt Bessie's at the time. Um, so there were a number of brands. Um, but what I'd realised when I was at Heinz at that time, so I'd worked in manufacturing with um, um, General Mills. At Heinz, I was also in manufacturing. There was a little piece in, in the middle where I'd gone to Pizza Hut, um, which is food service. But I'd never worked in retail. Mm. So when I got called, um, you know, at the offer, it was like, hmm. Oh, that's this is another strand that I could um, go and investigate. So yeah, that was that was the key driver. And back then, and I'm tr- I'm trying to remember, but it was I feel like it was much more. Um, it was harder to to move within from from kind of from a branded background or the own label world into retail. I think the barriers are, are perhaps down now, and you see it you see it loads. But back then, I. I feel like it was quite hard for people to transition into into a retail role. People generally would move around the the multiples. Did, did do you, do you remember that? Did that was that ever a problem? Ever even a consideration, or did it all just kind of happen quite organically? For me, it was really organic. But again, it was to do with what I had experienced in the past. So by the time I got to Selfridges, I had worked in quality assurance. I had worked in product development um and so it, it's it's being able to have those those two because ha- usually they're two different sides of the coin usually mm. npd um technologists stay in npd and product development and then the quality assurance is all about the standards piece but i was fortunate that i had both sides and i think that was the, that was the attraction it was about being able to deliver food safety to a high standard but still be, if you think about the brand Selfridges, they're all about innovation. They're all about creativity. Um, yeah. And so it's being able to have that creative mindset, 
but being pragmatic as well. So ensuring that actually when there is a food safety concern that you're able to raise it, but also be a solution driver and find an alternative, find the answer. You're right. I mean, I think you, you just see 10 people just will tend to take a, a specific path, won't they? Either either technical or, or product development R&D and, and, and pick a path. But you, were you always conscious then to have the roles that you were doing that were sat very much between both and, and touch both areas? No, I think, I think it comes back to that innate piece. What do I enjoy? I love the creativity. What am I good at? Good at standards and making sure that the highest possible standards are put in place. Um, that whole kind of project management piece, being able to bring people together, being able to collaborate, um, being able to call things out. You know, when you're in a, um, a, a development role, you know, you work with sales, you work with marketing, everyone's got this commercial drive and being able just to call things out and say, well, actually, we we can't do this. Those things just came naturally to me. So it was it was really organic in terms of of the move. And I was just really fortunate that it was in the spaces within food that I love. Had, had you always thought about going into retail or did it, it, it were, you, were you just at that point with Heinz and it came up and you thought, actually, that makes a lot of sense? I'd always had this plan that I was going to retire at Marks mm. and Spencer's because Marks right. and Spencer's, very solid brand. You know, in those days when I started in my career, it was all about, you know, having a job for life. And so I was like, yeah, I could see as I get older and more mature, Marks and Spencer's would be the place for me. But mm. prior to that, I hadn't really thought about about retail at all. Because um, you don't really, you know, until you're in the organisation, you don't really understand how things work. Mm. Um, you know, I never for one moment thought that I'd be able to do own label development in Selfridges. But actually, it's that has been such a joy because in Selfridges the the own label development happens on a much smaller scale with small artisanal suppliers and you see some of the major malts go in that way now as well you'll see for the for example the likes of Tesco's are working with smaller suppliers but in those days it was all about big manufacturing sites you know with big straight lines and running you know however many tens of thousands of units um, down a line. Mm. Um, whereas with Selfridges, it was this piece about, you know, going into sometimes homemakers mm. who, you know, had a real passion for food and wanted to get their products, you know, into a retailer. We could do that. At Selfridges, we had four shops. Mm. You know, that's that when you break it down, yes, it's a very big business, but ultimately, you know, we were able to um, work with, on a much smaller scale because of the volumes that we're dealing with i think i think you think you're right i think a lot of the you know the bigger the bigger supermarkets have embraced that attitude and it's about finding the points of difference isn't it and less about about that that volume piece um with the with that own label side of it how did you how did you learn about that and you know continue to learn about it i suppose but but you know but still stay on top um of things in your, your current role that you're doing um so i guess you know, if you again, you think about product development is product development, whether you're working in a line where you're um, 
you know, your trial run is 30,000 or you're working 30,000 units or you're working with a small supplier in their home and they're making 50 handmade Christmas cakes for you. The actual process and procedure behind that development is essentially the same. It's the scale that's different. And is that where the is that where the challenge is? Is managing those those products on a smaller scale? Yeah, I'd say that's probably more difficult. In that, you know, sometimes you'll go into small artisanal suppliers who make their product really well, and you'll say, "Have you done shelf life testing on this?" And they'll look at you like, "What does that mean?" You know, have you sent your products off for micro? And you'll you know you'll call out the list of um. Um, microbiological protocols they should be doing and of course there's that lack of understanding because they don't have a necessarily have a technical team behind them mm. so you know again one of the joys is about that education piece so it's it's taking a product that has been really well made but helping those artisanal suppliers to understand the science behind it in a way that makes sense to them um, and obviously you've been in this role now for it's it's nearly 11 years isn't it with with selfridges um is it, is it things like that 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 still drive drive you on every day yeah there's definitely the 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 change i think many people say no two days are the same but in the role i'm in i can promise you no two days are the same but i think the other thing that has really um encouraged me to stay like you know i i would never have said i'd stay anywhere for 10 years I, you know prior to um selfridges my longest tenure was at pizza hut which was just over around six years um but it's really that piece about how can i say being able to work in your role but also do additional things for the business. So I think you mentioned at the, the beginning that, you know, I'm a STEM ambassador. Mm. Um, and I also built a relationship with Centerpoint, who are the um, charity for homeless young people aged 16 to 24. I've been working with them since 2011. Mm. And, um, you know, what I do with Centerpoint and Selfridges is, we support their Centerpoint Works program, um, which is about getting young people work ready. So in the past, I've taken other colleagues with me to, to Centerpoint um, service centres. And, you know, so I might I've taken people from the food buying team. I've taken people from the sustainability team. I've taken people from our fraud and security team to tell them about the roles that exist in retail so we'll always do a little bit about food because that's you know that's my heartbeat um but we'll also I'll also explain to them that there are other things that there are jobs that exist that you don't necessarily know exist um for the past seven years so taking um the the covid break out we've yeah. done um center point sleep out so will take between tw 10 and 20 um, team members to go and sleep outside on the in the cold, usually 
it around November time and we'll raise money for charity. So, you know, we've raised hundreds of thousands of pounds for Centrepoint um, by, you know, by supporting their fundraising and by, you know, going and sharing our experience with them. And it's those things that really make you enjoy your job. So it's part, it's not necessarily my technical role, but it's part of what keeps me fresh within the organization. And it's the it's the center point and the STEM work. Is that is was are those both things um initiatives of self of Selfridges that you got so involved in? The center point piece was um first introduced to me by my director at the time, my food and restaurants director at the time, and I've taken it and grown it over the years. The STEM piece is something that I've done um kind of off my own back, but with the support of of Selfridges. So with the STEM piece, um, what I will do is I'll go into um, local schools, so primary schools and secondary schools, and talk about being a food scientist. You know, we talk about general science, um, but talk about my career history and one of the things I do so one of the schools I go to is actually my old primary school and I'll take a photograph of me in my uniform when I'm about six or seven and the uniform's the same um and I say who's this and it's it's amazing when you see these you know nine and ten year olds and their eyes open really wide and they say wow that's you miss um yeah. yeah and then I'll take them through my journey and the last question I ask them is so do you think you could go off and be a, a STEM worker and you know the answer is always yes it's about kind of representation it's about showing these young students that there are opportunities and there's somebody who's been in a similar experience to them in a similar place and yeah. you know what life has 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 brought um so yeah. yeah it's really about encouraging encouraging young people and that that's one of my passions so around um you know school school children and young young people will know we all know that in terms of stem it's mm. quite difficult to get um students into these fields now you know that especially for example in food science it's really difficult to get people on the food science courses so if I can change one student's mind then you know that's what I'm going to keep doing. No it's brilliant and, and, for, and, and for anybody listening um, I mean how would how would if someone heard this and they wanted to get involved is, is it quite easy how would they go about doing that? Yeah, so there is there's a brilliant, brilliant national STEM network. Um, if you just Google STEM STEM ambassador, you will find a network that's local to you. Um, so for me, I'm London based. It's the London hub I deal with, and you know they will present opportunities for you. So they'll all they'll show you local schools that you can go to, um, and then there's also an opportunity to network amongst. Um, the different STEM workers as well so you know they do a really great induction you know they explain to you what you should be doing and then there's different types of activities so for me I like to do interactive presentations they usually last an hour sometimes they take a couple of hours to prepare and mm. for me I'll always do something different each time um, but there's you know there's loads of things you can go and be a judge on um, competitions. You can support 
they have like national science week so you can go and support there you can go to careers fairs there's so many different things that you can do through stem that really makes a difference to local schools and I think you know ultimately the, the you know organize, organize, organizations like that will make a big difference as well to the you know to the food industry because there probably is you know there's so many other careers that people can have and it's just about an educational piece knowing these roles exist um, and are available to people um, I think a lot of the time people don't realize that they're out there maybe Yes, absolutely. And that's the thing. That's the that's the key thing that I do. You know, it's about, like I say, may, helping people to really understand that there is there are there are different jobs out there. There's different careers and there's things that you can do that you just enjoy. Yeah. And tell me a bit about there's something I've really wanted to talk to you about um, your role as the the founding chair on the diversity board for Selfridges. Tell me everything about that. How did how did that come about? So interestingly, I'd been looking at diversity and inclusion for a number of years, actually, probably since 2017. And that was driven by my love of science. And usually, you know, in science, whether you're talking about food science or other types of science, you get different groups coming together, global groups. Um, you know, you look at, for example, the Wellcome Trust, and there's always this piece about collaboration. And my first kind of foray into diversity and inclusion, I'd read um, a book a couple of years later by a man called Matthew Syed and it's called The Power of Diverse Thinking, um, Rebel Ideas and it's how you get that diversity of thought um, from different people with different backgrounds, different experiences and the, and the, uh, the impact that can make when you've got that diversity of thought. So that was really my first foray. So I'd go into schools and talk about the importance of diverse thinking um, in order to get the best possible results and how that related to science. Then you roll forward um, a couple of years. We all know about the, the um, killing of George Floyd and the global impact that had. Selfridges team members at the time had said they want change. They want a board to be put in place. And to Selfridges credit, they listened to the team members. And so they put forward um, an election process. So, of course, I'd been working, you know, in the field of diversity and inclusion based on science. So I put myself forward and was elected to the board and then elected as chair again because of my I'd already put forward a proposal which I was taking to the business anyway mm. um, and so the diversity board you know saw that and thought yeah this is something that we could take forward so together we you know we fine-tuned it we worked with our um, board of directors so the exec directors in Selfridges and um, and yeah that's what I've been working on for the last um, 20 months. And um, in that time Sorry, I was just going to say in that in that time, what have you, what changes have you made, and what changes have you seen, and the effects that you know from those changes? Do you know one of the the biggest changes is for our team members to have conversations, mm. 
challenging conversations, difficult conversations about race, about gender, about ethnicity, about gender parity, about um, sexuality, LGBTQ+, in a, about disability, ability, in, in a way that they have never been able to have before or never felt comfortable. I talk about a, a good friend of mine, and when, when I started on this journey, when I was elected to be um, chair of the board, you know, he mentioned that he has um, ADHD. Mm. And I, you know, I was, I was, I remember being in the Selfish Food Hall and I said, you know, we have a human resources system. You have got to log down that you have ADHD because if the business doesn't know, how are they going to support you? And he said, no way. I'm not telling anyone. It's going to be seen as a disability um, and it's going to go against me. Mm. So he refused. A roll forward about two to three weeks ago, he was on a video with some other team members with hidden disabilities talking about his ADHD and how it makes him feel and sometimes you know how how he presents at work mm. and how people may not understand and actually this is the reason he presents in that way and seeing that just really made my heart fill with joy we've we've really been able to make to enable people to have conversations the other big thing is really around um Ed, the education piece. So our team members said they want help. You know, they don't know what words to use. Mm. Um, you know, they don't really know what inclusive leadership means. So we um, put together an inclusive leadership training um, program that we've had over 500 team members go through. And again, it's it's building their confidence, enabling to, them to have um those conversations and then the last area I would say is around supplier diversity so we were really fortunate to have on our board somebody who's in the buying team mm -hmm. and he mentioned you know they always go to Paris Fashion Week or London Fashion Week and they see very similar suppliers we've put in place a su supplier diversity program which means that buyers are now looking in different spaces for different products and again you think about selfages it's all about innovation it's all about mm. creativity um it fits with our you know our way of working with our values with our ethos about getting a really broad spectrum you know in terms of our supply base so yeah so, so yeah i mean i could talk for ages on this topic but lots and lots of of change and ultimately there's so much research which shows that where you have diversity and inclusion mm. your team members feel invested in your business and that leads to better outcomes and also ultimately it makes business sense mm. to have you know a diverse and inclusive and way of working don't get me wrong it's been a challenge there's so much more to do we've delivered a lot in the first you know year 18 months but there is so much more to do yeah, I think I think that's really interesting. It'd be interesting to see what it does, the you know, with the the Selfridges brand in terms of candidate attraction in the future as well. I think the fact that you, you clearly lots of businesses talk about it, but you take it really seriously. The fact that there's a, there's a diversity board demonstrates how seriously you guys take it. And I think in in a few years that's going to become even more. Um, you know, important and, um, and and potentially be um, you know a good way to attract people as well to the business. I, w I would have thought, and I think we'll see it a lot in other businesses as well in the next five to ten years. Yeah, and 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 
people are looking for more than just, for example, brand names. You know, mm. as the world is changing and we talk about millennials and Gen Zs, mm. um, you know, there's there's a piece which says, actually, I'm going to invest in you. What are you going to invest? How are you going to invest in me? So companies really need to show up and show that they do care, you know, more than surface level about their employees and this is absolutely a way to demonstrate that yeah no you're completely right you're completely right but that's that's really interesting um thank you for sharing that uh melissa that was um that was great and um we've, we've probably reached the end of the time so we could do another we could probably <laughs> do a whole uh, you know a separate one on dni it would last hours and hours um there's so much to cover um you know in that in that front but um maybe maybe the next time but but for now um you know, it's just for me to say, um, you know, thank you very much for for coming on. Thank you for being really, really honest and open with with everything. And um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Tom. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, and well done for everyone um, on making it to the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, as ever, if there's any particular topics uh, you'd like me to cover, please do get in touch. Drop me a message over LinkedIn. Um, what would you like me to cover cover with any any future guests? If you've if you've enjoyed the podcast, um, I'd love it if you could leave a review um, on either Spotify or uh, or YouTube. Um, also, um, if you want a notification of when the next one comes out. Um, you can subscribe, uh, I think, um, and there'll be links below um, as ever with uh, the next episode um, of the Leaders in Food podcast. Thanks again, everyone. Take care.